Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of a Smart Money Gal podcast. I hope you all are doing well listening to me from the comfort of your office or home or bed or wherever else you're listening to me from. I am going to just put a little um, like a, I don't know, a warning out. Um, you know, life in the mountains over here can be unpredictable. So we are going through some pretty severe storms right now, which is why I have to have my light on, which normally I don't have. Because uh, if not, I would be probably sound asleep on my desk because it's very dark today. So if for any reason this podcast disappears, um, you will definitely see it come back on at some point recorded. So today we are going to talk about getting married. And uh, I'm going to be sharing with you some money tips for newlyweds about really conversations that you should have before you say I do. And I want to give a shout out to Ryan, who is my producer. He's hiding in the background. And, um, you know, he always makes these look great and um, is always there to support me. But Ryan is going to be getting married too next year. So I hope you are sitting over there with a pen and paper and that you are taking a lot of notes. I know you are. But anyway, let's dive right into it. We are in May. I cannot believe that, you know, a third of the year is already gone and I will be 50 this month. Don't tell anybody that, but I've decided to celebrate it instead of hiding from it. But May and June, you know, usually the summer months are very big months for people getting married. And I know a lot of people, you know, Ryan and I were just talking, a lot of people who last year were scheduled to get married couldn't with COVID and bringing guests in and out. And, you know, um, so this is probably going to start picking up to be a very big uh, wedding time of year. So one of the things that I want to talk about today is just trying to have those money conversations before you tie the knot, because it's really, really important. Those of you that follow me know that I always talk about open communication when it comes with to money, with your children, with your spouse, um, with <clears throat> your significant other, your partner. You always need to have an open line of communication. So I try to say, let's have the conversations before a significant life event, like bringing a baby into the world, buying a new house and getting married. Now, I'm going to be sharing uh, some notes with you. So if you see me look down, it's because I, I have so much information I want to share and I don't want to miss anything. So we all know that getting married is just an exciting and sometimes overwhelming time with planning and everything else. So the last thing that you want to do is go through this really great time of your life where you're now starting this new journey with somebody that hopefully you've spent some time getting to know and learning their habits and learning how they feel about different things in life. The very last thing that you want to do now after you've started down this road is to have any level of animosity with each other or any sense of regret. And, you know, financial animosity can be pretty scary. So one of the biggest things that you want to do is make sure that, you know, if you're sitting and you're going to be tying the knot this month or next month and you haven't had that financial conversation, here's some tips that you can use to break the ice because let's face it, you hope to spend the rest of your life with this person. So you want to make sure that you're going into this journey together on the same playing field. And if you're not, at least have a strategy in place for how you're going to handle certain things. So the first thing that I want to talk about is Agree on a set of financial rules and goals. This is really important. Work to establish a set of rules with one another when it comes to your money. 
You know, who is going to be paying for the expenses? Are you bringing your debt from the past into the marriage, obviously, but are you going to be the one that's going to continue to pay those on your own? Or have you had this conversation where you are lumping all the debt together and you're going to tackle it together? So it's very important to have a conversation around who's paying what, especially when it has to do with debt. So number one, make sure that you're sitting down and you're agreeing to a set of financial rules and goals. Um, second thing I want to talk about, and I want to ask this question a lot, you would be surprised how many people don't put their hands up. So how many of you have a will? And you may be looking at it like, we're getting married and we're in our 20s. Why in the world would we need a will? Well, you don't just need one will, you need two wills. You each need a will to have you know, your specific um, wishes, concerns laid out. Anything happens to you, who is gonna make the decisions? Where are your belongings gonna go? Who do you want to have what? And in addition to having um, your wills in place, you need to have two very powerful documents. And those are going to be your powers of attorney for your health care and also for your finances. These are important because I don't know if you're, if you're somebody like me who is always on social media and um, you see all these things about you. This couple just got married. They got married and they had a destination wedding. Somebody got sick or God forbid, you know, somebody passed away um, unexpectedly and then they had nothing in place. They didn't have a will in place. Um, imagine if you're having a, I don't know, a destination wedding in, in another country and something happens and somebody gets sick. Well, do you have the documentation in place to make sure that that person can be taken care of, that you're the one that's actually going to give them the direction? So it's really important to have two wills and your powers of attorney in place. And I don't want you to feel overwhelmed and you're sitting going, oh my God, we're getting married in two weeks. Now we have to have a conversation about money and now we have to go out and get wills. Um, having wills in place can be a very easy, inexpensive way um, you can go about doing that. You don't have to sit down and you know have this grandiose uh, plan in place. Just have even a very simple will, you know, your powers of attorneys in place, and then you know, after everything settles from the wedding and you start to accumulate things together as a married couple, then maybe you do need to sit down and talk with somebody about creating a trust. Um, I can help you, put you in touch with incredible people who can help you with wills um, be from a professional estate planning attorney to somebody who even works with Legal Shield, which is very affordable for you. So first one, agree to financial set of rules and goals. Second one, Put your wills and powers of attorneys in place. Okay. Number three, lay it all on the table. And when I say that, I mean, take all your credit cards, even physically, and lay them on the table and just be open and transparent. Okay. I am a you know Ramsey Solution Master Financial Coach. I'm also a coordinator for um, the Financial Peace University, Smart Money, Smart Kids. So I have had client, I've had this exact thing happen with students and clients where we just lay it all on the table. We help them get a handle on debt. We have that hard conversation, even if that conversation is with your, yourself, is how much, how much do I have hanging over my head and what is my plan around that? Okay. Do you have a credit card balance that maybe has $20,000 on it? 
Do you have student loan debt? Do you have, maybe you have some spending issues. Um, don't hide anything. Just lay it all on the table. Talk over what's going on. Talk over the plans that you have in place that maybe you're bringing to the marriage where you have been working diligently to pay down your debt. And this is what you plan on continuing doing. So make sure that you just lay it all on the table, have transparency, have open communication, because it will do so much to help you as you move forward together in your life together. Um, number four, control your expenses. Now, at the very beginning, it's, you know, they always say, oh, everybody's in the honeymoon phase. So, you know, you may be going out and having dinner with friends and traveling and, you know, if you're buying a house together, furnishing it and doing all these wonderful things, you know, but just make sure that you're keeping an eye on your expenses and you're controlling them. Don't, you know, spend money foolishly because you're now in this, you know, this period of exhilaration and you're just going out and you're now, you know, accumulating all this debt together, which is completely unnecessary. Um, I would advise you right now, if you have extra money, maybe you had a great turnout at the wedding and everybody gave you money, you know, look at making, you know, making sure your emergency fund is in place. Look at making sure that if you can up the contributions to your 401k or open a, you know, a, a Roth IRA, look at ways that you can prepare yourself for the future together. Because if you're in your 20s, I mean, I, I have a lot of clients right now that are getting married in their 40s and 50s, some of them for the very first time. So you need to set aside money. Don't spend things foolishly. Find ways that you can start building up your cushion for one another. Emergency funds, you know, look at how everything happened with COVID last year and how unexpectedly it hit so many people. The people who had emergency funds in place, the people who had three to six months worth of expenses in place, they were the ones that were able to stomach the changes a lot easier than those who didn't. So don't spend foolishly, you know, obviously have some fun, but don't spend foolishly, start saving together, start making sure your emergency fund and rainy day fund is taken care of, maximize your contributions to your 401ks, even if, you know, especially if your company is matching, that's very, very important. So <clears throat> number five, talk about how you're going to handle any family financial issues. This is huge. And some of you may not want to talk about it right now. I mean, you're marrying the person, but I hate to tell you, you're marrying the family. So it's important to understand that if, you know, your brother or sister or Uncle Bobby or Aunt June need to borrow some money, first of all, are you going to lend it? If you are going to lend it, who's going to pay for it? Um, how is it going to be handled? You have to make sure that you are going to have that conversation before it happens, because you don't want it to be where you're saying one thing, your spouse is saying something else. And now you have this, not only is it a, a rift between the two of you as a couple, but now it's turned into this family rift. So have conversations about, you know, and if you have aging parents, you know, something happens to your mom or, or his dad or What's going to happen? Are you going to bring them into your home? Are you going to pay their expenses? These are all things that you, you would sit and say, well, we're getting married in our early 20s, Jennifer. Come on. We don't have to worry about that. 
but life changes so quickly. And if something happens, you need to know how you are going to handle family financial issues. Okay. That's very, very, very important. Number six, update your beneficiaries. This is so important. I try to drill this into my clients all the time. If anything happens to you, you want to make sure that the people you want to get your assets actually get them. So if you have life insurance at work, if you have life insurance outside of work, if you have your 401ks, if you have anything that is beneficiary arranged, please make sure that you are updating it to your new spouse. That's so important. I can't tell you how many stories that I have experienced personally and have also heard that when something happened to someone, the wrong people got the money, usually the ex-spouse. So that's something you do not want to happen because you need to understand that beneficiary arranged assets bypass everything else. So understand it's important for you to update your beneficiaries on your life insurance, your retirement accounts, your policies, anything else that you possibly can think of, you wanna make sure that you take the time to update those beneficiaries. Number seven, create a budget together. This will help you uncover your partner's spending habits. This will also help you uncover their money personality. One thing that I do when I'm working with clients in a, in a, in a money coaching, uh, accountability partnership is really get them to help identify how they relate to money, how they use their money personality and identity to make decisions. So as you're sitting down and you're creating a budget with one another, you're going to know how somebody feels. You're going to know if they go all out when it comes for the holidays or do I do, do they make handmade things? Or if you travel, do they travel and stay at the Ritz or do they like to camp? I'm not a camper. But anyway, understand how the money personalities fit, understand your partner's spending habits. The best way to identify all that is by sitting down and doing a budget. It's very important to do a budget anyway. You need to understand how you are going to manage your money because if you don't manage your money, your money is going to manage you. So sit down, create in a budget, figure out your, your, your partner's uh, spending habits, and then figure out who's going to pay for what. That's also very, very important to, to lay out and have that conversation. Number eight, decide on a banking structure. So what that means is maybe you like credit unions. Maybe you like community banking. Maybe you like um, online banking. You know, we have both uh, brick and mortar banks, and we also have a relationship with an online only bank. And we do that for different reasons. We like to have the community feel. We want to know that if we're going and doing something that the bank is ingrained in our community, they're ingrained in, you know, helping if we needed a building loan or a mortgage or, but we also know that when you don't have a brick and mortar bank, you may have the ability to offer us higher interest rates on our checking, higher interest rates on CDs or other opportunities. So my husband and I keep a split type of relationship when it comes to that. So identify what type of banking structure that you want to use. And are you going to have two joint accounts and then a household account? Now, something I'm going to say depends on who's listening, how they're going to, how this is going to resonate with you. 
I am a firm believer that anybody in a marriage needs to have financial independence to a certain degree. Because I've had my own experiences in the past where I didn't, that's not the way it was approached. And then when I needed something, I had no control over my money. So it's very important for you to figure out how you are going to set up your, your financial accounts when it comes to banking. Um, maybe you're both working, you're a two-income house, so you have your paychecks come in and then you fund the household account and then the household account's what's used to pay bills. Now, I will caution you and say this. If you have separate accounts, don't hide what's in those separate accounts, okay? Because nobody goes into a marriage ever thinking about the exit strategy. But if you go into a marriage and for whatever reason, you find yourself facing divorce in five or 10 years down the road, um, you're going to find out what was in those accounts anyway, through subpoena, through court documents. So just still be transparent, but don't have a hidden account. Don't try to do something in that space. It never fares well, especially, you know, I am a money coach, but I'm also a divorce coach, financial analyst. So I know on the other side, if you don't have the visibility, it doesn't fare well in the future. So decide on the banking structure, decide if you're going to have uh, two individual accounts and a household account or however that is, but just make sure, again, there's transparency. You don't want to seem like you're hiding anything. Number nine, choose one person to pay the bills, but then make sure that you are scheduling meetings to sit down and go over that. That's so important, especially if you're going to add a family into this at some point and you're going to bring children into the equation. Um, again, I just, I think last month's podcast was talking about how to talk to your children about money and it's about sitting down and having regularly scheduled meetings around money, around budgeting, around, you know, maybe you had an expense that came in and you had to pay it. You had to pull it off of paying over on your credit card, or you had to pull it from savings. You want to make sure that you are articulating that and sitting down and talking about that together. You don't want that to come back and bite you at some point in time by putting all of that on one person's shoulders and then not sitting down and having regular meetings. It's very, very, very important. I'm not saying you have to do it weekly, but if you get paid every two weeks or you get paid once a month, perfect opportunity for you to sit down and again, have visibility. Sit down and talk with your partner about what this looks like. And, and, you know, I'm saying this about newlyweds, but, you know, there are a lot of people who are in my client family who aren't married, but they have been partners for a very, very long time. Apply these same principles to that type of a relationship. It's so important just to have open communication and transparency about your money. Number 10, decide on a limit for purchases that don't require the talk or don't require collaboration. So in our household, anything over 500 bucks, um, we talk about together. Now, mind you, we talk about everything together anyway. So even if it's 20 bucks or 30 bucks or 100 bucks, but make sure if your spouse is out one day and Cabela's has a really great deal on bass boats and he's gonna drop $20,000 on that bass boat, um, I would have hoped that you guys would have a conversation about that. So come up with a number that you feel comfortable 
saying, you know what, if you're out and you see something um, and you want to get it and it's, you know, uh, less than a hundred dollars, then we don't, it's not, we don't have to give prior permission to one another, but it's not about control. I'm not saying to put any levels of control over the relationship. What I am saying is open communication and transparency is powerful to have in a marriage. So come up with a limit on purchases that you do not need to have the talk and collaboration about, um, and that will fare very well for you. So, you know, I'm going to go back and just recap these again for you, because as we get ready to, to wrap up the show, I know that there's a lot we've talked about. So again, top 10 money tips for newlyweds or partners or whatever type of, you know, if you're living in a, in a household, have an agreement on a set of financial rules and goals. Make sure that you are laying fine, you know, financial foundation of who's going to pay what, who's going to, you know, you're going to keep everything in place the way you had it prior to entering into the relationship. Um, when you have a shared vision for the future, it's much easier to get along and it's way more successful. Number two, create two wills and make sure you have your powers of attorneys in place, one for your health care one for your money, anything happens to you, you want to make sure that it is labeled out who is going to make decisions, who is going to be able to access your accounts. And I failed to mention this before, but if you do decide on a bank that you're going to use, um, make sure that your powers of attorney will work at that bank. There are some banks that have their own forms. So you want to make sure that you have their forms in place. Everything is in file. And I'm not just talking about getting the forms and then never taking them back to the bank. It's very, very important that you take them back to the bank, that the bank knows that this is your relationship, this is who in charge uh, to access your accounts, and you know, in some cases, make sure there's signature cards on file. So it's very important. Put your number two, put your wills in place and your powers of attorney, check with your banks or your financial institutions to make sure there aren't any other additional documents that need to be done. Number three, lay it on the table. Put your financial cards on the table. Put your debt on the table. Um, figure out who's going to pay what. If you already have a plan in place that you're using to tackle that, great. If not, try to figure out how you're going to tackle it together. It's so important to have conversations about debt, whether it's student loan debt, credit card debt, personal loan debt, any debt. You need to understand. And don't say, well, it's $500. I don't really need to... I don't really need to have that conversation about that. Well, if you have a five hundred thousand, I mean, a five hundred dollar balance on a thirty thousand dollar credit card that you have all of that available cash or access, you want to at least make sure that your partner has transparency in that. <clears throat> Number four, control your expenses. Um, just because you're splitting the rent and utilities doesn't mean you have to, you know, spend foolishly. We've talked about that. Take advantage of extra cash. Put it in your savings put it in your emergency fund and rainy day fund, um, you know, or put it towards opening a Roth IRA, put it towards, you know, maximizing your 401k, whatever it is that you have as far as extra cash, put it to good use. Don't spend foolishly. Number five, talk about extended family financial issues. If your brother or your sister or your mom or your cousin is going to come and try to borrow money, how's that going to be handled? Are you going to handle it together? Are you going to just say, we're not going to do it? Have that conversation before it happens. If you are an older couple that's getting married for the first time or second time or third time or whatever, um, 
talk about how you're going to handle your aging parents. If something happens, are they going to come and move into the house? Because the last thing you want to do is your wife come home from work and your mom be sitting there with her bags and you've not had that conversation. So make sure that you're having conversations about how you're going to handle family financial issues. Number six, update your beneficiaries. So important on every single thing that you have that is beneficiary range, your life insurance policies, your retirement accounts, any other policy that has a beneficiary arrangement on it, please make sure that you update it so that if anything happens to you, the right person gets the money. You don't want the wrong person to get the money. Um, number seven, create a budget together. You're going to find a lot out about your partner's spending and their habits. It's also going to give you visibility to what you're bringing in and what's leaving every month. Creating a budget is probably one of the best ways that you can figure out um, how to keep open communication, how to figure out client spending or your uh, partner spending habits. And then really, it's just going to have a track for you to know how you're going to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. Number eight, decide on a banking structure. Are you going to have one, two, three accounts? If so, where are you going to bank? It's credit union online. Um, you want to make sure that you're having that conversation. Maybe you've had a 10-year relationship at a credit union and you want to add your partner on to that account. That's great, but make sure that that's something that you decide on together. Uh, lay it all out. If you need recommendations, I'm certainly here to help you with that. Um, number nine, choose one person to pay all the bills, but make sure that you're having weekly, um, you know, bi-weekly, monthly meetings to sit down, to review the budget, to review the bills, to make sure that you're still on, on track with each other. Um, you always want to make sure that you're continuing to have that open conversation and communication with one another. And then decide on a limit for purchases that don't require the talk for collaboration. If your husband likes a fish and he goes to Cabela's and he has a, there's a bass fishing boat. And I don't know if $20,000 is good or bad or not, but he decides to just put $20,000 um, out to a new bass boat and he pulls up in the driveway and there it sits and you knew nothing about it. Um, you know, these are conversations that you need to have. You want to make sure that you're setting a limit, whether it's a hundred dollars, $500, whatever that is, make sure that you're setting that limit ahead of time. Um, so there's a lot we've covered and I'm going to make sure that I share all these tips with you too. So you'll be able to find them underneath of the podcast, but I want to wrap it up by saying, you know, if you're discussing your finances together before you get married or maybe at right after the honeymoon, um, you know, you are on the road to success. Open communication is just, it's lacking in a lot of relationships. And that is so important to make sure that you have open communication, transparency, and then, you know, make sure that there's a compromise because you may have, you know, you're marrying another person. So when you're marrying somebody else, there's a whole history of maybe money myths or beliefs or a different mindset that they have coming in. And now you're trying to merge those two things. So you always want to sit down, have open communication and be willing to compromise. It doesn't always have to be your way. And, you know, I want to wrap it up by saying maybe working with a money coach is what you need. That's something that I do. What I'm able to do is really help give you clarity on what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And I'm actually there to help you uh, hold you accountable. And in some cases, it makes talking about money a lot easier when you have somebody there that can kind of help put you into the point you into the right direction. So if you need to 
reach out and work with me. That's what I'm here for. So I hope you found this beneficial. If you are getting married, congratulations. Ryan, I'm sure you've taken a lot of notes. I could possibly quiz you later on this. But um, again, open communication, transparency, and um, many, many blessings to your new life together. And if by any way I can be of help, all you have to ever do is let me know. You can call me at 404-618-6626. You can go right out to my uh, my schedule on Calendly. I'll make sure all that information is um, is shared underneath of the podcast, along with this checklist and top money tips. And um, again, I'll be back next month. Bye, everyone.